Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co-host Ben, and in today's episode, we're talking all about first time experiences. We've had a great last four or five days of first experiences for our sons and with our sons and really got us thinking about the power of firsts. We're going to dive into that topic today, but before we do, we need to give thanks. My thanks are for moments of joy. I do not have joy that runs inside all day, nonstop for 24 hours. Wish I did. I wish that was a reality and I could just be submersed in that. But those moments of joy when they come, they are... When you are, get to heaven, Ben. There you go. There. That's right. But those little moments um, of joy are, for me, what it is about. And I'm so thankful when I get to have those moments. Mm-hmm. If you've listened to this podcast very much, or if you know me at all in my personal life, you know that I love deer. People ask me a favorite animal. It's always... Otokoilus virginius, white-tailed deer. I love deer. I love to hunt deer. I love to eat deer. I love to teach and learn about deer. Mm -hmm. I'm a nerd. I listen to podcasts about scientific studies, research topics on deer. Yes, you do. Yes. And I enjoy it. I love deer. Unfortunately, in the last handful of years, what was once such a huge part of my life has kind of not been because of, one, having kids, starting family, changing jobs, quitting jobs, starting businesses, losing access to land that I used to hunt. I have not got to hunt really hardly at all, and I really haven't got to harvest, haven't harvested a buck in, I think it's six years. Just, I love to bow hunt. I just haven't got to go. This year, I've not only been able to go and enjoy successful hunts with you, but also my son and you and your son. We're going to talk more about that in this episode, but I am just so thankful uh, for this year um, to have venison in the freezer, to share the harvest and the experience with family and friends. I'm so thankful to be back deer hunting and, and having success at deer hunting. Uh, it brings that joy that you're talking about. It, it brings that joy to my life. Uh, so I am thankful and grateful for that this weekend today. You know, th- what what a week it has been for you and I. There have been so many moments of joy throughout the week, if not really the last two weeks. And so... Um, Glad I got to be a part of it with you, man. So thanks for the journey the, the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. And I think as we get further into the podcast here, talking about first-time experiences, we can share more of the details of some of those some of those hunts and some of those times uh, in the outdoors. And hopefully all of you listening are encouraged to have, not only encouraged, but get some of that courage and some of that bravery to step out um, and do some of the work because these experiences don't come Easily, they're not free. You have to put in some work and some sacrifice um, and even a little money into some of these things too. So yes. uh, we're going to dive into all that in, in just a moment. Let's kind of talk about, Ben, why are we doing this topic today? Where did it come from talking about the power of firsts? And when we say first, we're really talking about first-time experiences. Yeah, I mean, how it solidified was our boys got to go hunting. And they were first within this hunting um, season. Right. Um, so your son, Bodie, is mm-hmm. eight. He harvested not only his first deer, but his first buck. And that's up on 
everything we're talking about is up on our social account. So if you right. want to go see pictures of of the boys with their harvest, that'd be great. So Bodie got his first deer and his first buck all by himself. All by himself. He practiced to shoot the rifle. Yes. He shot, harvested the deer. Yep. He's pumped. He, oh my gosh! I mean, <laughs> super. Pumped. First off, uh, he wasn't pumped. He was um, really taking it all in, and I think that's what this podcast is about today: is this power of firsts. Like yeah. when it's your very first time, there's a lot of of thoughts and emotions and feelings and um, all that that's going through your right. head. And and when it's your first, like what what is it that you're taking away from that? You know, and and so to be his father being with him on his first harvest, that was a first for me as well. And so mm-hmm. we're bur- we're both in these moments of joy in our firsts. Mm-hmm. And so to experience that together for me was was the pinnacle point of why why we're even doing right. it. You know what and, I mean? And this this podcast episode is not all. This isn't a, a hunting no, episode. No. This, we're, re- we're really talking about the power of firsts. What brought the topic on is these these first time experiences right. hunting that we just had for my son Hayes, who's five. He isn't old enough to shoot yet, but he has been asking and asking and asking, "When am I taking him deer hunting?" Mm-hmm. So I set up to take him deer hunting this year uh, with with some of your help, and he just wanted to go. And he kind of was broken hearted that he couldn't shoot, but we were able to harvest a deer together with me shooting but just the the fact that he got to go and be a part of a harvest that was his big first and so these big big milestone firsts in the outdoors because we love the outdoors and we love our families that's what really got us thinking about sharing this topic and what firsts really mean um they're they're just different yeah yeah i mean to break down power of first power is the ability to do or act and so there we have what that means like you and I and our kids had the ability to go out and do this experience. That that alone is a first in many cases and mm-hmm. many things that we go. So the the power of that is now like the looking back on our experiences and the memories and the feelings from those experiences. Yeah. Um, they could be both good or bad, right? Well, just to highlight how impactful and powerful first time experiences are, think of something in your life, take just a moment as you're listening. Think of a moment in your life, whether you love to fish or whether you love to play basketball, whether you love to go on beach vacations, whatever it may be, something you love in your life, and stop and think. Do you remember the first time that you did that? And I'm going to guess that you said yes. Now think about all of the other times in your life that you've done the same thing. For me personally, Ben, I've harvested, I'm going to say 50 or 60 deer in my life. M- many in the middle there. I don't remember at all. Mm-hmm. But I vividly remember my first. Vividly. I could share that story probably better than I could share most of my deer harvest stories. What is crazy about that is that is the oldest memory. That is the most distant deer hunting memory I have yet it is so memorable. So that kind of shines a light on to how powerful first-time experiences are. Yes. You know, I'm thinking through my first job. I'm thinking through fishing, hunting, camping, recreation like golfing and disc golf. Like when we were putting this together, I was sitting down trying to think of what are all my firsts, you know? And 
I'm realizing that some of these things I can't remember. Yeah. And so I had to take it just a step further and thinking about the power of first is in those moments of it being first, I'm now processing through why was I doing this thing for the first time? Was I doing it to please someone else or was I doing it for me to learn and to be a part of the experience? Because as I begin to filter through these, like looking at my first job, my first job was with family. I was working for my great uncle, cleaning horse stalls. Then I moved into a first job of construction. But for me, it, it really wasn't that impactful until I had my first job away from family jobs and working for the public, you know, actually becoming a busboy at a, at a, um, a restaurant, you know, that, that was like what I would call my first job, even though it wasn't, it was my first job. And I remember that first day that's, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember my first day working with the family, Yeah, you know, well, even with a lot of the jobs over my life, like I can remember the first day of most of them. There's a lot of menial days in between, but that first day is significant. You always remember that first day mm-hmm. first, you know, we each have two kids and and some families are much bigger that first kid like (laughs) you really 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 remember that first time your first child was born I mean your life changed so much like everything is just so vivid the hospital experience absolutely everything the coming home I remember the the feeling of taking my my firstborn out of the hospital thinking I'm taking them out of this safety into this world. I, I was smelling cigarette smoke. People were out front of the hospital yeah. where I parked the car smoking cigarettes. And it was like, oh, man, I'm taking them out of the safety of this hospital into this great, big, crazy world. Right. I remember that exact thought and feeling from several years ago. I don't remember walking out of the hospital with my second. I don't. And, and that's just because I had done it before. The first time is so significant. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your first date with your wife? I do. I do. Because it really wasn't a date, but it was. It was really, it was a weird. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> it was weird. Um, it's actually, uh, that is where I proposed to her. We went back to that spot and that is where oh, I proposed. You, on the first date? No, 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 no. No. Should have. Wow. I should have right then there, right? Um, no, like those first that you're talking about, you know, why I'm sharing, is it for yourself or for others? Because as I'm thinking through here, when I was doing something new that I had never done before, but I was relying on other people, I remember the experience a little bit, but it wasn't until I had to rely on my own, you know, like rely on my, like my first deer that I harvested, that doe that I've told, I think I've told that story two or three times in our, on different podcasts. That was, I was all by myself. And, and in that moment, it is so vivid. I even remember the smell of gutting that deer that, that I can still smell that even though I still got them today. I, I know what that smell is. Even right? though you got COVID and you can't smell anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's still that. You can still smell uh, deer. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's why when I think back, it's in those moments when they're my first experiences, when I'm going with other people and I'm relying on them so much. I'm realizing now today that they're not as vivid as those first moments when it is like me and and I'm relying on myself, relying on um, God, you know, really listening and, and him. Um, 
those stand out even more than my first experiences when I'm when I'm going with other people that are guiding me or taking me, you know? Right. Um, and that's why I, I was thinking about the jobs. Like when I no, had no one to rely on but me and who I am and my behavior inside this first experience, that are when those memories come flooding back in and are really strong. Right. Well, now that we've kind of painted a picture of how significant and powerful first-time experiences are, I do want to point out that it can be negative. We've we've oh, really yeah. only talked on the positive and, yeah. and positive memories. It can be negative as well, and I think that is so important for parents to to remember, particularly if you are planning first-time experiences for your children in the outdoors, whether it's camping or hunting or fishing, the way you prepare and more importantly, the way you act and treat them during those experiences can make that either positive or negative. They may never want to do it again. They may love fishing, but if we aren't there in the right way for our kids during that, or we didn't put in the work leading forward to it, we didn't get them good clothes, we didn't pack them a drink, whatever it may be, we didn't research a good spot to go. If that experience is negative, it could change the rest of their life. Like they may never want to fish again. They may move to a city to get away from outdoor experiences because of a significantly negative impact. So first time experiences are powerful, but do know that it is not always positive. Yes. I want to add in that I think the first time experiences, what you're doing there is you're marking really that, that milestone And then after that, it acts as like the stepping stone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe what Brian just said to you could have made you feel like, well, my gosh, like I'm not perfect and I'm not going to be able to do this perfectly. We're not asking you to be perfect, but we are asking you to to put some stake in the game, like do some research, make sure you're doing it to the best of your ability. And that's that's enough. Like. When you do it to the best that you can do it, that is enough. That's all you can do. And that's all you can do. Right. And, and and at that point, if those people don't enjoy whatever the activity was during the experience, that is on them. Yeah. You know? But the point is you have to give of yourself. You do. To to get to do your best to give that experience, whether you're whether you're guiding a friend or a child or what whatever whatever it is, if you are introducing somebody to a new experience, you have to give of yourself to do your best to make sure that that experience, that first time memory is positive. Trying to make those experiences positive, that's kind of where the difficulty can come in with first time experiences because Mm -hmm. you may not have had, it may be your first time experience too. Let's say that there is a parent that wants to take their child fishing, but they've never been fishing before. Mm Mm-hmm. They're going to experience first together. And that is difficult because you get these feelings. There's fear, uncertainty. You start to get the all these crazy emotions, um, mm-hmm. whether it be fear of failure or fear of actually getting hurt, fear of not knowing, just truly like, well, I don't even know how to tie a knot. Well, I think uh, we can talk about ego, but to narrow it down, it's embarrassment that when you reveal to, to whomever you're taking that you're not the expert, mm-hmm. you're, you don't know what you're doing, there is an embarrassment there, and that keeps a lot of men from taking their children out. Is yeah. They're worried about being embarrassed. Like, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, well, it's not, I'm gonna, it's going to be candid. It, it is just truth. We have people reach out to us on social media 
all the time, mm-hmm. whether it be what kayak should I buy? Yeah. How do I take my kid hunting? What fishing pole should I buy for my kid? What backpack should I buy for my kid? Mm-hmm. And I'm going off memory. Over the last few years, I don't know that a single man has reached out to us with those questions. I think it is always women. Women do a better job of being humble and asking that. Now, in fairness, women can do that a little more freely because they don't really have the expectation put on them to be manly. It's harder for a man to be humble in those areas because men have this, they need to have this masculinity that they live up to. But a lot of times it's not their fault. Nobody's ever showed them. But if a man is humble enough to say, hey, I just really need to take my kid fishing. Can you show me how to tie a lure on or what lure to tie on? Man, that shows a lot of love for the person that you're taking that you can humble yourself to that point that you would ask somebody else. But it is usually women that do reach out and they have a lot easier time doing that. Yeah, I think that's the power of the podcast too, that as a man, you can listen or even YouTube, you can get on and you can look up research and you can find all that out without anybody ever knowing Mm -hmm. that you're in question. So because of all the resources that are out there today, it, there could be a reason why a lot of men don't reach out. Right, it's, they are reaching out. In Nobody a way. knows if you YouTubed how to butcher your own deer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I rewatch a video that uh, you're in um, back from the day. I rewatch that. Um, it's for sure every two years, if not every year. I right. rewatch it um, mainly because I want to be efficient. I want to get in and get this knocked out. Yeah. And what it is, it is processing deer. I want to get in, knock it out. I don't want to be standing over this deer all day. So I want to do it. Am I doing this? Yeah, am I? Yeah. And so when you have those resources, guys, use them. There's nothing wrong with using them. And then when you're still in doubt, then it's time to reach out to to get some help for sure. Another thing that's difficult with first is they don't always come easy. Whether maybe you're trying to get your first job, you're 15, 16 years old, and you just can't get the job. Maybe it's in a particular field that you want. Maybe it's in healthcare or food and you just can't get it. They don't always come easy. Maybe you are trying to harvest a deer and you've hunted 10 times and you haven't been able to harvest a deer yet. They don't always just happen. And then you look beside you and you see somebody trying to achieve the same first experience. Bam, just like that, it happens for them. And we kind of get this this envious jealousy thing of what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Why did it happen so easy for them? And sometimes we have to work through failures before we're able to achieve that first time experience. And I want to say, if you've had to work through three, four, five, ten 10 failures before you achieve the experience, I want to say congratulations, because you're probably going to be a lot better off than the person that it came to really easy the first time. Yeah, there are, I mean, there's firsts that are controlled and uncontrolled. So, you know, looking back at just, just my, my child's life, let's say Bodie, my son, he had his first steps at some point, right? I remember the first steps. I remember when his he had his first tooth. And then I remember when school started for him. I remember when he lost his first tooth. You know, we can even look at, yeah, first girlfriends, the first of all those things. But there's things that we can't control that are going to be our firsts. You know, I, your son working on potty training, I don't know when that first, first day will be that he no longer has to wear a diaper, right? But that's something that hopefully today, hopefully today. <laughs> but why I'm saying that is that that's something that you, Brian, can't control. There's going to be a first in that, you know? Right. But then there's things that, that I feel like I hope we're going to start 
maybe given you guys encouragement to go do, you may never, you could go all your life without hunting mm-hmm. and never, never have a first in hunting. Right. And, and I think that's what I want to show in this podcast of we're talking about the first that you are going to have to step out to go do it. It may be an overnight backpacking trip. It could, it could be. be anything that that yeah. takes some boldness it to does. say, you know what? I'm going to take what's on my back and I'm I'm only going to live for a couple of days with what's on my back. So it could be any outdoor experience. Different things bring different levels of anxiety and stress to people. Correct. Some people may not. You know what? I, I, I remember one and it may sound silly. I remember when my friends asked me to start golfing with them. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how to play golf. I didn't know which club to use for what. I didn't know I didn't know anything about golf. I didn't know how to swing. I didn't know nobody ever taught me. Right. I was so nervous to go out there on a public golf course and try to play golf. I was so nervous. So it may be something that you never thought you would do that somebody's inviting you to go do. It may be a, a game of golf. It may be hunting. It may be fishing. It may be going to play disc golf. Who knows what it is? It doesn't matter what it is. The point is that you do have to overcome that first, and there is a lot of power in that first time. And so do everything that you can to prepare yourself and make it a positive first, not a negative first. Right. I will say there are some trips I've been on, backpacking trips with friends, that it wasn't our first time going. It was our first time going together, and, boy, it was a negative trip. And we still talk about this trip today, about how awful it was. However... It didn't keep us from not going back. Mm-hmm. It keeps us from making the mistakes that we made the first time. Right. So you are going to have negative experiences. Don't let those shut you down and cause you from continuing on. You know, learn from them so that the next time you go, um, it's less miserable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say it that way. Um, I mean, we got soaked, man. We were mm-hmm. soaked the whole trip, wet, cold, tired, hungry. It was it was rough. But in those memories, we do relive them. We laugh about them. But I think we can do that because we truly learn from it. Yeah. I think what you just said is probably the most important thing and the most, the most impactful thing about first-time experiences and why they are so important, why it's so important to get over that hurdle to make sure these first-time experiences happen. And I think that's because... What you're highlighting is this massive amount of learning. If 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 the amount of learning you do over time uh, on a timeline is 100%, I'm going to say like 80% of that happens on the first time. So you just used an example of overnight backpacking. Mm-hmm. So let's say on a, on a timeline of 100 of everything Ben, 100 is everything Ben knows about backpacking today. of that, I bet you learned on that first experience from the preparation to the actual experience to getting home. And then you've added that other 20% over the years to get to that. But that first time is so important and so significant because of everything they learned. Think about our sons on their first hunts and first deer harvests now. Like they now know what it is like to kill an animal, to take its life. They now know what the heart and the lungs look like after they get shot with a high powered rifle. Mm -hmm. Like, they can never relearn that again. They just had this massive amount of information and learning thrown at them through one experience. And now they'll add on little bits and pieces and nuances as they go. But this first time experience is is 
is so, so huge it is. on the learning continuum. And as humans, we all take in things differently and and react to them emotionally differently. Like when you asked if Bodhi was excited, I would say that he's probably more excited today than he was right in that moment because when I stood back as dad and was just watching him, like he was, there was just so much information he was taking in in that second. Yeah, I wasn't there. You just showed me the video. Yeah. And it, awe. Like he was just oh, kind of in yeah. awe. Uh huh. Yeah. Like you could tell he was super excited. Like, but it was more of like, well, in the video I showed you, um, the only video footage I got was once we found the deer, I videoed him walking up yeah. to it for the first time and seeing this eight point buck laying there yeah you know and it and it was tucked up under a cedar it was lifeless it was lifeless yeah and you know he had a mixed emotions and in that mixed emotions i think he was trying to figure out what really just happened from a to z he was putting it all together in that moment my my mm-hmm. son's a very literal thinker like he he thinks literally and you know i told him hey let me let me go check and make sure this thing's dead after I checked and I come back and I'm like, you can approach it. The first thing he says to me is, are you sure it's dead? You know, like he wasn't jumping up and down like excited. He he was still in that self-preservation. Am I going to be okay up by this, this big thing? Right. And so as he's breaking down these barriers of realizing, wow, this is okay. I am okay. Now it was kind of this smile comes upon him of, dad, yeah, I did it. Mm-hmm. I did it. I did this. And then as we brought it out from the wilderness into this open pasture here, now we get to see, and and that's where I think even more learning took place. I was showing him, you know, his shot, where it went, and then we went through the organs, and and we're just talking about how it hit, you know, and gutting it, the gutting process, and and helping them hold the leg and and doing physical work in that. Well, think about how the learning can continue. He's mm-hmm. eight. I mean, he's going to start getting into school and in textbooks and seeing pictures of hearts and, and hearing about hearts and hearing about intestines. Mm-hmm. He has visibly seen and touched them now. I actually had him hold the heart. He completely missed the heart. Right. And so I actually had him hold it because um, it is heavy. And when, when you're teaching your kids... He's going to learn that in school out of that textbook better is the point yes. that I want to make. And, and I want you to... Yeah, I'm glad you made that point. What I'm saying here, though, is that when we are we're doing all this pre-work that you were talking about earlier, preparing, 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 you know, we want to harvest this animal and we want it to be quick. We don't want any suffering to take place in right. regards to this animal. Yep. And so we teach where to shoot because when you shoot the vitals, that is going to be a quick yep. kill. And so... Wanting him to understand that this heart is actually really big. Like this is, yeah. it isn't some quarter you're trying to hit. We and practice so for a quarter. We practice for a quarter. Yeah. So if you can hit the the target within a quarter, well then, man, you're shooting really well. And he got to experience the words I'm, sh- you know, the the practicing of of shooting the firearm, and then effectively harvesting this animal and putting all that together too. So right. going even way back, the memories we made even before this harvest. Well, yeah, there's ethics in there. There's discipline oh, in man. there. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there is more that can be taught from a hunt or really any outdoor experience from the preparation to the actual experience to the breakdown than can really ever be put into words because I think that's why YouTube and all the video is so consumable and so popular nowadays because it is hard to put into words 
all these experiences. I watch people fish. I watch people hunt on YouTube and they could write a story about that experience and it wouldn't be the same as watching it because there's so much truly happening and truly being there is even different than watching a video. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to put in the work to go out and do it. Before we move on and really share the full detailed stories of these first hunts, which I think is probably what everybody really wants to hear. Like, tell me about these hunts, what happened with these kids. We're going to share those. I want to get a little bit serious and continue on with the weight of the importance of first time experiences. And I'm going to, I'll, I'll share personally for me, it's the the best way I know to convey the emotion. And the point that I want to get across is that putting in the work, overcoming fears, being resilient when failures come for first time experiences, whether it is getting a job, whether it is getting married, whether it is going golfing, whether it is hunting, fishing, camping, backpacking, whatever it is, it's all work. And there is fear and and really fear of the unknown, getting over ourselves, humbling ourselves. I want to highlight the importance of that. It can literally change the trajectory of someone's life, involving them and being involved in their first-time experience. My dad and I have always had a hard time connecting, still to this day. He's always been around, but we have always, my entire life, had a hard time connecting. We still talk about the same things today that we talked about when I was five, and that is baseball or hunting or fishing. That's Mm -hmm. all we can really connect and talk about. Now, my dad signed me up and took me to play baseball and help coach baseball. I remember my first uniform. I remember my first practice. I remember my first game. Significant, significant first. Had my dad not signed me up and taken me to do that and been involved in that, May we never connected ever. Maybe not. My dad took me fishing when I was three years old on the Gasconade River. I remember the black, red, and blue swim trunks I was wearing. I remember my Zebco 33 black and gray fishing pole. I remember the rubber fire tail worm that I caught my first smallmouth bass on. Had my dad not taken me to do that, I probably wouldn't be an outdoorsman, and I probably would have no connection to my dad. I remember going hunting. I remember my first deer. I remember my dad took me. He was there with me. We still connect and share hunting stories. We don't hunt together anymore, but that is something we still talk about. He came over to see my buck I harvested recently. He sent me pictures of his. Without those things, I don't know that my dad would ever have connected. I don't know that I'd be a biologist. I don't know that I would have played college baseball. My dad connecting and doing those things in my life literally had changed the the trajectory of my life for the past 35 years. It is important to do these things. It is important to get over yourself. It is important to conquer your fears. It is important to pour into other people and sacrifice so that these experiences can be had because it is more than just in that moment, in that time. It is for decades. It could be generational change that you're doing just because you're putting in the work for these experiences. I'm going to ask you a personal question, Brian. You told us a few minutes ago about the first time that you went golfing. Mm Mm-hmm. And you said you'd never done it before, but you're going with friends. Yep. Why do you believe you were really nervous about going out there to play golf for the first time with your buddies, guys that you consider friends? Well, I didn't know how to play golf. Okay. And so <laughs> was I going to be able to figure it out? But I think the biggest thing was I'm going to a place where there are a bunch of people. And so what are they going to think? What are they going to say? What are they going to say? Yeah. About 
playing golfing. We have to get over that in some of these experiences. I also remember uh, I was so fearful and I, I didn't want to do it. But again, friends were going in, in encouragement. I used to race BMX bicycles. Mm-hmm. When I asked my parents if I could do it, they said yes. I already had a bike. But there was like hundreds of dollars of helmet, pants, shirt, all the cool racing gear, mm-hmm. protective racing gear to go into it. And my parents basically said, look, like you're you're a young kid. We don't have a lot of money. Who knows if you're even going to do this? Like if you want to go do it, fine. I went and I raced in a pair of blue jeans and a solid white long sleeve cotton t-shirt. And I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I was super embarrassed, but it motivated me. I worked so hard. I pedaled so hard that I almost threw up when I was done, but I won first place that race. So that embarrassment and getting over that kind of what other people were thinking, and that's that esteem we've talked about sometime, getting over that and powering through, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to overcome this no matter what I'm wearing. It is a powerful thing. It's a great memory, and I learned a lot from that as a young kid. Yeah, and that's I'm going to bring it up right here, right after what you said there, so... A hunt that sticks out to me. I mean, it is the the memory that when, when you talk about hunting, I go to squirrel hunting. And it was the first time that I walked through the woods by myself and harvested a limit of squirrels absolutely by myself. And I share this story because I remember coming up out of the holler, coming up the hill towards the back of my grandma's house. And my grandma came out and was like, oh my gosh, man, like, wow, you had a good day. You had a good day. And then my grandpa was like super pumped. He likes to eat them. To this day, I'll eat them. I don't go out to just hunt to eat them. Like that's, let's go eat deer, you know, like there's other meats, but I do enjoy squirrel once in a while. But because I only enjoy it once in a while and I know that there's work and because there's death in this, I'm going to eat what I harvest. So if I'm not going to eat it, then why am I going? Right. But in that moment, I was hunting for them because I wanted this feeling of at a boy, good Praise, job, yeah. well done. You're you're a hunter now. That's what I was trying to share earlier is is why are you going out and doing this new experience? Are you going out because you're wanting an attaboy from other people? Or are you going out because it is a new experience and you want to learn it to either get better at it or just to have a new experience? I truly believe it's okay. It is okay if you go out and do something new and you're kind of like, you know what? I'm not very good at that. So I'm not going to continue. Or, man, I definitely need somebody to train me before I go again. Like, those things are okay. The cool part is that you went out and did it for the first time. As a kid growing up, though, I was doing a lot of these new things because people were encouraging me to, right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference in doing that than today being a a responsible human being and and being an independent human being, me still going out and doing these things. And so you're racing, you're you're hunting with your father. You know, I understand that you're saying those led to the trajectory of where you're at today. However, my father wasn't wasn't constantly in my life. And yet I still do very similar things that you do, but it still came through the men in my life that were encouraging me and showing me how to do this. But now that I'm at an age that they no longer care if I keep doing it, it's not that you're old. Now that I'm old, I do have to step back and say, why am I doing this? And I think that's okay. 
and what's cool about it is there are some things that I've I've died to. I, I'm I'm not going to go spend the money on it do anymore. But now that I have my own son, mm-hmm. I want to offer him those experiences so that as he gets older, he still yeah. gets to decide: Do yeah. I want to continue? Pick and choose this? what he Pick likes and choose to do. what he likes, to and do. have the skills to go do it if if they choose to. And that could be traveling. There are so many people that want to travel the world. Right. It can be jobs. You remember your first time on an airplane? I, no. You don't? I don't. That was a significant first for me that I feel like I remember really well. I don't remember the first time because I feel like each time is is new for me because uh, I... It is an experience. It is. I am really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, never. I've never been through an area where I was just comfortable, like from the airport to getting on the plane, to being on the plane, to then getting off and going and back through the airport. It kind of clouds your memory a little bit. It does. Yeah. I, I am so aware in the moment, like being so present of what is happening around me. Can't that, really take it all in. Th- no. Right. And, and I'm just on high guard the entire time. And w- when my family goes with me, whew, man. It's worth. And you're getting ready to travel. You're get, you guys yeah. are getting ready to go with the family <laughs> too. So. We're getting ready to do some flying here uh, around the holidays, which that makes that uh, that spidey sense when you see that image of like everything yeah. spark, like whew, yeah, good luck. So, but that traveling though, when I traveled that first trip, would have been my my. I don't remember the flying, but I remember when we were at it was Cancun. Mm-hmm. I was in Cancun, and I just remember how foreign that felt. Even though they Americanize it, that first experience, everything was so new that I do remember. Mm-hmm. I remember Cancun and all about, but yeah, I actually don't remember the flying too. There, yeah. yep. Well, mine. I was twenty five years old, so yeah, it wasn't. It was only ten years. Well, ago. I was eighteen. Yeah, I was eighteen. That was yeah. my first time. Yep, kind of later in life, uh, getting on an airplane. With. Mm-hmm. That's okay too. I, we've talked about that that kind of feeling of you know why did I feel weird going golfing or why did I feel weird wearing jeans or in a, a t shirt racing bicycles and we can all have those uh, those things like maybe it's the first time. There, there's going to have to be a first time if you're going to get a boat and go fishing. There's going to be a first time that you are backing that boat down the boat ramp. Yeah. And here's what I want to say to the people that it's their 100th time. We could all do a better job as outdoorsmen and as people in general, whether you're a, whether you're on the golf course and, and you play every day and you're a member or whether you fished 100 tournaments in the last two months we could all do a better job of being less judgmental, ridiculing people less, and offering helping hands to people and supporting them rather than making them feel like they have to feel like they're scared of, of what people are saying or are thinking about them. It is kind of a dog-eat-dog world in the outdoor industry in a lot of areas. And to be honest, that kind of sucks. Like that's one of my least favorite things about it. I've worked in the outdoor industry for years now. I've seen it. These egos are massive, just massive and it gets in the way of other people learning and being introduced to the outdoors. So if you are an outdoorsman or some area that you consider yourself experienced or an expert, be careful around the people that are new and try to be warm and welcoming. Yeah, and and offer help, but don't... Not like a, are you so dumb you can't do that, you need help? Yeah, just be cautious in it. I mean, you can force your way in to help. I imagine you and I have probably done that both personally to, yeah, to a lot I think of people, we have, but yeah. you know, offering the help and then if someone doesn't want it, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of it kind of goes back to my training when I was an EMT. It was basically it goes like this: if there are people that uh, could have been harmed so much, they have something wrong with them that they deny or refuse care. 
they don't want your help. So if you approach, you tell that you can say they're sick. You can see that they're bleeding out. Yeah. You have to ask them first if, if can I help you. If they say no, that's actually okay, and you're not supposed to. But what you're supposed to do is stand back until they're unconscious. <laughs> until they're unconscious, and that's them telling you, "Yep, come help me. That's okay." Right. You know, there are times that I find myself doing that in the outdoors, and what I mean is, is I will see that there are people that are struggling or need help, and when they don't want it, even if I've asked, they don't want it, I just stand back and let them do what it is, and and I am preparing myself and being ready to come in when they look or tell me, yo, I yeah, need it. Maybe you know? I didn't need your help. Yeah. Right. As the boat is about to slide off on top of them, I can jump in and, and help them push the boat back up, whatever right. it is. Right. So being there as a servant, um, but knowing knowing when you need to hop in. Yeah, you know? Giving people the space if they need exactly for right. that. Yep. Well, I don't even know that I've heard all the details, so I can't wait to hear you share it. But can you please tell us everything about Bodie's first hunt? He got an eight-point buck. Yep. You guys got to go do this together. It was his. He's eight, and it was his first year actually practicing and being really big enough to handle a, a rifle right. large enough right. to harvest a deer. So tell us everything from preparation to the rifle that he used, where you guys went. Um, just tell us about this hunt. Yeah, absolutely. So starting off at age six, Bodie had an interest in hunting, but not huge. It was enough to where if dad went out, it would be like, Why, where are you going? What are you doing? And then I'd share it. And it was when he was seven. That was the first time that I took him um, into the stand with me. He still was not mentally or physically ready to harvest it all by himself. But yet he is old enough the age to, to go with and hang out and, and to experience it. So now that he's turning eight, um, I knew he, he plays basketball now. We're playing baseball. We're, we're physically capable of dribbling and shooting and, and kind of holding our own. And I was like, it's, it's time to, to at least get him into guns. Let's go, let's go shoot these, these firearms and see what he's capable of. Right. Well, when you talk about recoil of a gun, it's that thump in the shoulder that, that sometimes will scare kids from wanting to continue to shoot. I mean, you can, you're putting your protection on, you have your eye protection on, but when you squeeze that trigger for the first time and in your shoulder as thumped, that might keep you from, from wanting to continue on. Right. Now, you kind of have to look at those cal uh, the caliber like, you know, a two forty three. That's kind of that's that. A lot of kids have learned how to to shoot with a two forty three, and then they use that for their first deer. Mm -hmm. But I, I think I, there's like a country song or one thousand with that line in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's a it's a low. I'll just say it this way: it's a low recoil caliber. Like right. you're gonna feel it, but it it isn't as bad as as a 30 out six per right. se, right? So, and there's all kinds of firearms in between that you can use. Um, I have an AR-15 and it can shoot 223 rounds right. or 556. Which in Missouri is the smallest a caliber rifle. The uh -huh. 223 mm -hmm. is the smallest caliber rifle that is legal to har harvest a deer with. Correct. Right. So it is the lightest of, of this mm -hmm. range. Right. And then with that, because it's on the AR platform, the way they're designed, um, it isn't. You're not taking a beating on your shoulder. Right. And I thought this well, would they're, be. Uh, they're adjustable and they're lightweight. The adjustable part is what's key. Yeah. Is that you, the stock or the part that goes against your shoulder? It can be long or short. And so for a kid, you can make it really short to where the let off of the scope, they can see through the scope, and then they can still reach that trigger and be able to pull it. And you can purchase two forty threes that have a shorter stock that youth 
You know, they call them the youth model, whether they say that or not. But because I already had this, I thought this is going to be perfect. So I actually had to go out and get a new scope, something that was going to, it wasn't just a red dot, something had some magnification. And because we purchased that to go hunting deer with, we had to sight it in. And this is a perfect time to get Bodie, not only sighted in, but for him to truly learn how to shoot yep. this firearm. And um, his grandpa, my father-in-law, we went out and we did just that. We sighted in. He got to shoot several rounds. And because of that low recoil, he he was excited to shoot. Yep. He was having fun shooting this firearm. And because he had got really good at it and was shooting within his, the, the size of a fist, matter of fact, at 50 yards, we were hitting a quarter. And at 100 yards, he was hitting within a fist. How perfect. Good right? shooting, right. Good shooting. Yeah. So, but see, as the responsible party, I knew that when when or if we went out hunting, I was going to range and make for sure that he wasn't going to try to shoot something farther than 100 yards because we hadn't practiced it. I, I just think it's irresponsible for him to take a 200-yard shot when we don't know how he's going to do, you know. So I was comfortable with him harvesting a deer up to 100 yards. And that made me feel good. That's a good range, especially here in the Ozarks. Yeah, most places. Most that's places. Hard that's to your see max. That far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, my stepdad, um, where he's working, it's an awesome ranch. Um, he got us permission to come out and hunt with him, and so we did just that. Um, we went during youth season. So during youth season, there's two days that um, only ages. Is it 15 and below? Yeah, six six, six years old is the minimum, yep. and 15 is the 16 max. 16 up yeah. to 15. So they have this these two days that only they can harvest. I can't help. I can't mm-hmm. I can't do anything. You can't I, pull the trigger. I can't pull the trigger for right. him. And so I took him out, and we just didn't have any luck. Right. And But he wasn't discouraged. He enjoyed it. He had fun. I mean, we took things. We took hot chocolate. We took snacks. Um, we were in a blind. Right. You know, those things... But see, there, just there, he's going to have to learn some persistence and resilience yes. just in like, okay, so you don't just go out and shoot. Like so many non-hunters, even adults, think you just go out and find what you want and shoot and it. boom. It yeah. isn't just that. And no. he's learning that immediately at, an, at a young age. And I think that is very valuable. Mm-hmm. And it puts a value on the food that's on your plate as you're taking it to your mouth. Like this, this not only was it a life that was taken, but it was hard to get. And Bodie has ate deer before. And that was another driving force of he wanted to eat venison. Yeah. He was ready to eat some deer. Because it's so good. It is. But they even keep talking about summer sausage. You and I yeah. have made summer sausage six years ago. Yeah. And it's time to make some more because there's a lot of people asking for some summer sausage. They want that summer sausage. $100 a stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to start charging. But yeah. anyway, so here comes opening morning rifle season. And Bodie wants to go, and he wants to fill his tag. Yeah, and I said absolutely. So opening morning, Saturday. So this is the season for everybody now. You could be everybody. hunting. I was hunting. Well, yes, you you were really sacrificing because you I were mean, taking him. Yes. You weren't off doing your yes, own thing. Correct. I didn't put him in a stand and say all oh, you. Yeah, we hunted together, which that's what was fun for me is me and him oh, being God. together. Just through the whole experience, like whether he kills or not, I get to spend time with him in this. Well, blind. the. This is kind of, I mean, everybody knows he harvested something. I'm going to guess, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you probably enjoyed him harvesting that deer more than you would have oh, harvesting that deer yourself. Absolutely. By leaps and bounds. I mean, the deer he harvested, I wouldn't have harvested because I'm looking for more meat, 
So I'm looking for a bigger no, deer. No, you're looking for that attaboy you were talking about. I'm looking for, well, <laughs> if there is a big one on this ranch, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming there's got to be some yep. some monsters out there. That's the one I'm going to wait for. However, I'd like to take a couple more dough because, like we just said, I want summer sausage. I want to have some meat in the freezer that I can grab and go. Anyway, back to his story, though. So we get up early. Now, the tradition in my family is my grandma, she makes breakfast for all the hunters on opening morning. So everybody goes to her house. Everybody goes to her house. Food's ready at 530, and we chow down. I mean, she makes biscuits and gravy and hash browns and eggs and sometimes omelets and I can't even think sausage and yeah. bacon. And you she get to chop it up about who's gonna oh yeah we're gonna harvest yes. what today. Yeah. Well, well, who's going where? Yeah. Everybody kind of wants to know who's going where and what's the plan and and that helps. It, it's be safe that way. We yeah. know all the stands that are being used and what the plan is. So I, mean, I took Bodie for his first time. Then this is his first time getting the morning breakfast of the hunter. Yeah, cool. Which I remember. Their that tradition day. is powerful. It in, is. In deer hunting, oh, yeah. and there are there are schools that actually let out. Uh, there are for the for a whole week. Yes. Yeah. Should be more of those. <laughs> but um, anyway, so so we we do the breakfast. We get done and we get there at first light and. Me, in the past, I would have been there 15 minutes before first light. I like to be in that. But, hey, this is his first time. I wanted it to be the best experience I could make for him. So that's we're not going to rush, rush, That's a rush, really rush. good point. Like, and you may have even been frustrated, like, oh, man, we're 15 minutes. But it doesn't, doesn't really matter. They are just wanting to have a good experience. So don't get up in your... Don't get up in your routine and your feelings yeah. just because it isn't going how you would. It's for them. Because of the distance from my grandma's house to where we're hunting, we would have had to skip breakfast right. to be there at that time. And the tradition of that breakfast was family was more important, was more important. than extra 15 And that minutes. was his first. You know, right. That was what I wanted him to experience. Right. The first, I mean, you had cousins there, uncles there, grandmas there, you mm-hmm. know. Um, grandpa's there. Uh, and everybody knows deer love biscuits, so you want to smell like a biscuit oh, when yeah. you get there. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny because <laughs> as a kid, you don't think about that, but we don't wear our hunting clothes in. Not in the breakfast. house. Not no. the house. So, you know, you have to change when you get out there. Yeah. Um, and that's another lesson I taught him. So, anyway, we get out there. Um, we get dressed. We get ready. We walk down um, this lane, which this property we're on, it is such a blessing that we get to hunt here. Um, just a quick backstory. It was land that was going to be used, um, honestly, to hunt on, to allow people to come out and pay to hunt, and that all fell through. And so there are already blinds and stands, and, I mean, the cedars have been wiped out in different areas. Yeah, uh, They've got food plots. It is just such a beautiful, healthy place for these deer, and uh, it was awesome to get to go experience it just, just to be there. So I take him, we get up, and... I'm going to tell you that... Get up into your... Into the blind. So you're hunting on a raised... Yes. It's a raised platform with a blind on top of it. And this is like the second time I've ever been in one. Right. So it was new for me. I mean, we had hunted that youth season. That was the first time I'd ever been on a... On a... It's a redneck blind. It is. That is the brand. But it's like a box. (laughs) I mean, it's just like a box on a stand. A big fiberglass box on a stand with windows and carpet and... uh, and uh, it, well, and it even has a coot like it has. It looks like a podcast studio. Yeah, it's acoustic. It could be, yeah. You yeah. know, because it it keeps you want to keep that sound from bouncing around in there. Anyway, we get up in there and we get set up, and and you know he's he is so pumped. I mean, he's just excited, smiling, and you know he's about thirty minutes in now, and we're ready for hot chocolate because that's what we did last time. So I take hot water. That's all I do. I get up, and it's real quick to just make a pot of hot water and pour it in one of these. Thermos. Yeah. Thermos, yeah, yeah. And it just holds hot. 
And I mixed him up a little bit of hot chocolate. He started drinking that. I do the same thing with my coffee. And he starts sipping on that. And he looks at me and he's like, Dad, I'm bored. And I'm like, I wanted to be like, I wanted to scream, you know, because my first weren't i never had hot chocolate yeah i was never in a blind yeah i was in some little tiny stand or sitting on the ground on on top of a trash bag yeah and so it, and it was also like 60 degrees yes, over the weekend was... <laughs> not 15 you know like his firsts for him are are just well they're not necessarily better than mine but they're more comfortable yeah you know and so here he is so we pulled the, the side that we're, we're probably going to see these deer from, we pulled that glass up. And so the glass is up. You just have this open window. And the rope that pulls that glass up, it's kind of hanging down there. And he's kind of patting. And he's just like, Dad, I'm bored. And I said, son, I said, being bored is a choice. Like, this is such a blessing for us to be out here. Now, I will say we prayed, you know, we prayed for safety and protection and, and to see one. Um if it was God's will for him to harvest one, then great. If not, we were just so fortunate if we got to see one. And in that moment of him like saying, I'm bored, I said, Bub, like, you shouldn't be bored. You should be paying attention. I said, any moment a deer could come out. And I'm not kidding you. The only thing we had saw up to that point was one coyote. We hadn't seen any deer yet. We saw one coyote come out. If I could have blasted it, I would have. But that's all we had saw. And after he said that, and me like calming him down. Now, because we're so comfortable, we're in swivel these swivel office chairs. I mean, they're like padded office chairs, never been hunting out of one before. He's turned and looking at me, and I said, freeze. I said, here comes a deer. And so I grabbed the base of that swivel, and I spin him around slowly as this eight-point buck is coming from the bottom up to us. And it's just coming out. I mean, he's looking around, no fear, no, nothing's alerted him. He is just doing his thing. And in that second one, Bodie made eyes with him like it was on. You know what I mean? Like it was on. Like he knew this is changing. Yeah, there was no, I'm bored. Like, and that's what he needed. Whether this was going to be one he harvested or not, he needed to see a deer. And, and, And I'm glad he did because I understand he was getting bored. Like we talk about, we're going out to deer hunt. So where are the deer? And that's kind of what you talked about. People think you're just going to go out and see them all the time, and you don't. And yeah. so this moment was such a blessing. This deer came out. He was at 201 yards from us when we first saw him. That's a long. It's a long way. Yeah. So I was like, man, he's got to come in. And, and we're not grunting. I've got a tube, but I'm not planning on doing anything. I'm going to let him walk his path, and hopefully it comes enough close enough to us to get a shot. And so I'm looking at Bodie. I'm like, do you want to take this deer? We talked about it. We talked about it on the drive-in. Do you? What would you like to harvest? Are you wanting to shoot anything you see? Or are you wanting to only shoot a doe, a buck? What would you like? And he said, Dad, whatever I see, I just want I want to harvest. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. Well, the first thing we saw is this eight point. So he, he's at 201 yards. He works his way up. And he's probably about 150 yards from us when he stops and he starts messing with this these cedars and some of these oaks that are out there. He starts rubbing and, and rubbing his scent and just kind of hanging out there, not really feeding, but walking this this line that I didn't yeah. know at first it was there. He comes through, he comes through to our east, and he's still staying out about 100 yards from us, but he is getting closer in regards to he's moving south, and that's where south of him in, in his direction. So he comes up, he hits the south, or excuse me, the east tree line, and he's working way up. Well, now I'm trying to transition and get Bodie ready for 
for the shot. shot. Are, are yeah. we going to make it? So I, I've helped him. Um, he's he's using the front of the stand as a a brace to set his gun on, which is perfect because this gun is really heavy, and he needed that. He got it braced and he got his eye set up, and we got everything set up to where now he is facing this deer, and he can kind of see it through the scope. But this is where this is where like real experience comes in. You can watch all the YouTube videos you want. You can even go out and, and practice sighting in your gun, but trying to move your firearm and that scope to follow this deer is tough. It's tough to get this deer in, in the line of sight in your scope while you're, while you're seeing everything with both eyes and then coming down to one. And that was his challenge. He's like, dad, I can't see it. Well, as I'm trying to guide and help, his barrel's pointed up to the sky. So I know he's way up high. So I am trying to help move his gun to get him in line with this. And then all of a sudden he goes, I see it, Dad. I see it. So I let go. And now he's got it. And I said, Bodie, remember where you're supposed to shoot. And he's like, follow the front leg. In which Brian, he'll, he can share that in a minute. But he's like, follow the front leg. I'm like, yes, follow the front leg. So it comes in. And as it's staying there, I range it. And he's at 52 yards from us. And and Bodie knows like when he sees that spot to shoot and all of a sudden, boom, he took the shot, which it caught me off guard. I didn't know he was, he was going to, I didn't know he was ready. He was right. there. He missed it. I, I'm watching this here. He Man. completely missed it. There was no, I mean, he did not hit the deer at right. all. This deer seized up and froze just with his eyes almost was like looking around like where did that come from what was that what was that yeah. what just happened and it actually changed where he was walking he was going to walk away from us to the southeast but now he's going to start walking west which is directly in front of us so he turns he he's walking closer to us and i said Bodie, can you see him he said yeah and i said do you see the i said do you see the legs he goes Front legs or back legs, Dad? And I was like, oh, front leg, front leg. Because yeah. as you have taught all the kids we teach when we're, when we're talking archery or, or even firearms, we teach our sons to follow the front leg. Yeah, the, the back edge. The back edge of the front the leg. The front leg up to the chest. All yeah. the way up to the chest, and there's your kill zone. Yeah. And he was asking me to follow the front or back, and I'm like, what? Please, like, this isn't, the back. this yeah. isn't the time to be asking that. But I'm like, front, front. And so by this time now, I'm actually... I've got my hand up by by the firearm, just kind of being there to where I could whisper in his ear. But yet, if something, I could grab the gun if I needed to. Right. And he goes, I see it, Dad. I see it. I said, when you're ready, bub, whenever you're ready. Boom. He pulls it again. And this sucker, I see that it hit. Now, I couldn't tell in that quick moment if he's too far forward or backwards, but I know he hit the deer. Plus, as that deer started running away, back north again, away from us down the hill, you could see he was leaning forward. And that side that he shot, that that arm, that or, excuse me, the shoulder, yeah. the leg, was wasn't a hundred percent, you know. So I knew he hit him. It looked like a pretty good shot, but I was not a hundred percent, especially because he had just missed it first shot. So he he runs to us. Now he's about a hundred yards away, but he enters into the wood line over there, and I know exactly where he went in, but or I knew exactly where he ran into, but. When you're that far away, you don't know exactly like what tree or what plant or whatever it was that, that it went into. And so I knew that we needed to wait at least an hour before we got up. Well, he's ready to go see this thing. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, that is when you shoot and you have to wait to go look, 
if it's an hour, it feels like eight. I mean, it does. <laughs> it is yeah. the longest way to your yeah. life. But what made it better is that during it was longer than an hour, but while we were waiting, we saw oh, several more deer. Oh, cool. Several more. And that's that's a tip more, that I want to share. Like, anymore. Yeah. Like when, when people say, oh, if you shoot that gun, your deer hunting's done. No way. No, These deer have no idea. They don't know what a gunshot is. If they're that close and they shoot it, oh, of course you're going to scare them. Just like any, but give it 10 minutes. These deer are back to doing what they're doing. They mm-hmm. don't know unless they smell you. You know, right. their smell is so important. It's, it's important to, to not get in their, their radar of their smell. However... I say, we need to wait an hour. Well, I'm going to kind of, this would bear some Bodhi if he is older. So I'm just going to say potty. Okay. I'm going to use the word potty instead. After his nerves, after he kind of calmed down and we're sitting there and he's like smiling at me like, I did it, dad. Mm. You know, which internally I'm like, yeah, you did some, but we haven't found it yet. Yeah. So I want to congratulate him. Let's just say he needed to hug a tree. He did. He needed to hug a tree. But I didn't want to disappoint him saying, Bubba, I don't know if we... I don't know. He could be there. He may not. I don't know. So we had to wait that out, but he had to go potty. He had to go hug a tree. And I said, I need you to wait one hour. And he said, okay, dad. Okay. Because my goal was now to harvest one too. I wanted to shoot one and I knew I might be able to while we're waiting to go look for his deer. Five minutes passed and he's looking at me. He said, dad, dad, I have to go potty bad. I I have to go bad. I said, son, how long can you, you can hold it. You can hold it. He said, well, how about 20 minutes? I said, perfect. You just give me 20 minutes. I'm not kidding you. What even five minutes have passed? He's he's starting to get uneasy, and he's, he's like, "Dad, Dad, I, I have to go to the bathroom." Yeah. And I'm like, "All right, son." So we open the blind door. He starts. We walk on the platform. There's a platform there um, that the ladder's connected to. He starts walking down the ladder, and I look up, and to the northeast, it's about hundred yards from my stand, is a bigger deer, Daddy's buck, Daddy's buck. <laughs> And I'm w- trying to y- whisper yell. I don't know if anyone's ever tried that. So try to whisper yell, <laughs> see if, how that works. But it's like, Bodie. Yeah. You know, I'm like, Bodie freeze. So whispering, yelling just don't work. But yeah. he can't hear me. He finally gets to the bottom and he looks up at me. And I'm, I'm like giving him the stop move. And I look up and I'm, I, I move the gun up and I get him in the scope and he busts. He turns tail up. Woof, woof, yeah. woof, woof. You know, just blows all the way down the hill. I probably would have took him. Yeah. He was big enough in that moment that that would have been one I probably would have harvested and, and it would have been good. I don't want to destroy my son, but no, I am frustrated. Yeah. Again, parents have such a significant impact in this experience of it being positive or negative. So I told him, I said, Bubba, because you couldn't hold it, I missed out. However, I get that you had to do yeah. this. So let's get at, let's get it done. So let's get back in. One, now he knows, man. Try to sit during during the rut rival season. Try to sit. He learned that you may bust deer if yeah. like there is some consequences to getting out. But two, he also learned like if you got to go, go and it, it, it's just a deer. So dad's not that mad at I'm me. I'm not that mad. Right. Right. Exactly. So we take care of business. We get back up, and because he's pretty content, I'm like, let's wait till nine. He he shot at seven thirty three. That's that's what time he took um, the first shot. I don't know. The timeline after that, but it was 733 was the first shot that he missed. And so it was a few minutes later that he took the, that kill shot. And so... Um, the power of first. See yeah. That? You remember that 733? Uh, oh, yeah. Powerful. And, and uh, we had been texting um, my stepdad. He's he's down on the other draw down there hunting. And, yep, we shot. Bodie 
hit one. I don't know if he's down or not, so we're going to wait a while. Yeah, I, texting. I was texting you, you all te- morning. You weren't right. texting me enough. I'm like, that's true. I just think I just sent you question marks. And, it's true. Well, I, like there was a lot happening. Just, tell me what's going on. Yeah, I mean, we were doing here. the bathroom thing while yeah. you were trying to get answers, and I'm trying to hurry to get back in so that we can still hunt a little bit. But I said we're going to sit in here till nine now, and. Um, my stepdad, he he finally came down. Um, it was about nine ten that he started working his way down. Matter of fact, we had a a, a decent six point and a fawn, a doe fawn. They were out there, and as he came down, he busted them coming down, and they, and that's how I knew he was coming down over here. They saw him way before I could. Right. Um, so he came down. He got in the blind with us, and we kind of here's the plan: like, um, let's set for just another fifteen at nine twenty five ish in there is when we um, we went out to go look for this thing. And I thought, I've given it plenty of time. If, if it was a gut shot, yep. two hours, got to be down. Like, I, I just don't want to boot. I don't want to bust this thing up. That's the worst thing to do mm-hmm. when you when you shoot a deer and you're not sure. Let it have lots of time, you know. Yep. You don't want to bust it. That causes more problems. So I went to the point of shot, the, the, the shot where he, he took. And Brian, I couldn't find any blood. And because I watched where this deer ran, hallelujah, I followed that same path. Matter of fact, I even marked it on an Onyx map as I was sitting there waiting just to have this as a memory to look back on. Yeah. I followed that trail, and I never found any blood. We got all the way up to that wood line where I knew where he entered in, and I could not find one drop of blood. I was so adamant about looking and finding for blood that my stepdad looked up and said, there it is. So he wasn't looking for the blood. He was looking in that, in that he line. He was looking for deer, yeah. And... He said, oh, nope, nope, which then my heart sunk because I was like, don't say that. Don't yeah. say you you see it if you don't know. I just, I wanted this experience to be so awesome for Bodie. I didn't want him to have disappointment. That's what I was trying to guard him from, yeah. disappointment, because I hate disappointment. We as humans struggle with disappointment. And then my stepdad said, yep, there it is. Oh, that is it, yeah. And I looked up, and I was directly in line. He, I went. I was literally standing where he went in. There was no blood. And there wasn't there wasn't any blood until I was two feet from this deer, and and you could start seeing some blood where it had really leaned in to these this brush line, uh-huh. and that's where he was dead. You know. Well, glad I'm glad you guys found him. What was Bodie's reaction when you first first saw him laying in there? You know, a lot of emotion. He he was laughing. He like laughing because he was excited. Like, oh my gosh, we found it. You know. Then it was kind of like this. As we were walking through, I was like, "Bub, don't just go up. Don't just walk up to him yet. Right. Let's make sure he's dead." This then, this instant fear of, "Oh, this thing could jump up," to then back to, "I said, Bub, I am so proud of you. Like, how do you feel?" And that's when this relief, this smile came over, and yeah. it was like pure joy, high five. Like, I did it. I did it. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't understand what eight point meant until I think he started talking to friends and stuff later. Like, he now realizes why I killed. Kill a nice buck. A nice buck. Yeah. Most people don't kill an eight point, especially for their very first deer yeah. ever. And so. I gave him a hard time for that on the phone. Yes. <laughs> he needs that. Yeah. He needs that. But, um, you know, we got to text out BBD. It's what everyone's saying these yeah. days. You know, big buck down, oh BBD. So I think now the joke, as I say, oh, you're the old BBD killer, you know, and uh-huh. we, we like to tease and play. So um, he, he enjoyed it so much that he's ready He's ready for next weekend. He's ready for the he, next he round. Again. He's asking to go, go again. Yep. And there was so much more to share in that. Like I said, the, the, it was a whole day. So to share a whole story is tough in a small podcast. Um, but those takeaways were 
for me as a father that I got to experience this with him because I don't have that. I didn't have that with my dad. And so I didn't know what it felt like. I didn't know what it was going to be like. And for me too, it was the first time and I'll never forget it. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing. And I and my family were so excited. We didn't get to go in the morning. So we were sitting at the table eating pancakes and the boys, you sent the first picture and the boys just kept asking for, for more and more pictures. And right. Then we, we all had to talk to Bodie and, and yes. hear Bodie's story on the phone. Yes. And I could tell just in his voice talking to him on the phone how excited he was and how awesome it felt for him to yeah. to have Uncle Brian proud of him and Dad proud of him and just to keep getting all the that, that of boys. I'm sure his grandpas and everybody just, just blowing him up. And that does feel good and that that is a, a part of going like oh he had to overcome not seeing deer he had to overcome maybe not hitting the deer he had to overcome the immediate disappointment of missing but regrouping and and and, and then executing and yeah. just yeah nobody will ever be able to understand what he learned except for Bodie and that right. won't come for him for many years correct it'll be retrospect when he looks back on what he learned yes um, and that is a beautiful thing of it so kudos and congratulations well, thanks man no it was a blast you know. I want to add this in. I had a lot to learn as a father. Mm. Um, I even went back to that that same place to hunt. I've never hunted next to where I'd harvested one, but you know where where we gutted this animal off in the woodline over there. I just didn't realize like field dressed. Let's keep it PC for the podcast. Okay, field dressed, field dressed. There you go. When you field dress a deer, you know you leave you leave some of those things behind, and. It just never occurred to me until that moment that this was a food source still for other animals. You know, these deer are a food source for coyotes. That's right. That's what deer fear. But in this harvest of it feeding my family and being and providing for my family, it also was providing for animals that don't normally eat it. I saw 60, I counted at least 50, in other words, even more, 60 crow came up and had a meal off this animal. I saw a bald eagle come down in the middle of that 60 and grab what it wanted to and flew away to go feed itself as well. Like, like there isn't anything that goes to waste out in the wild mm-hmm. when you're doing it morally and ethically, right? Yeah. And, and I just think it was a blessing to even get to see that, how it even provided for those animals that were wanting food and, mm-hmm. and trying to survive as well. It just, it, it was an awesome experience. It is always amazing how God surprises you when you're spending time as in, in his creation, just mm-hmm. like these moments of awe of like, wow, you left no stone unturned. You right. forgot nothing, Lord, when you created all this. Mm-hmm. And I and I love one of my favorite pieces of scripture is that nobody has an excuse because his creation points to him. So whether you've heard the name of Jesus or not, we don't have an excuse, but it's little things like that. Like, okay, yes, it is literally the guts of a mammal laying there, but seeing that how it is going used, it, there for there to be life there has to be death mm-hmm. and and that is that is the way things were created and that is the way things work and it is it is awesome the ways that he shows you himself and Absolutely. even even odd moments like that right but, yeah but I, i'm glad i'm over the moon I'm proud of you i'm proud of Bodie, and i'm thankful for god uh we we were praying for Bodie. Yeah. we were praying that he found it uh, so just so thankful for the answered prayers and, and for the experiences um, and then just uh, the next day was it the next day that Hayes and I got to go to go yeah. have ours, which was yes. which was cool too. So That's I awesome. guess I could share all those details. Yeah. So with Hayes's hunt, my son who's five, you know, I I said it was the next day, but that's when we actually made a harvest. But it, it goes back a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. He has been asking 
since this summer. Dad, is it deer season yet? Are we going to go deer hunting? He knows that I hunt. He's asked to start watching. We've watched some deer hunting. He knows that his grandpa deer hunts. He knows that you deer hunt. He knows he knows it's a thing. So he has right. been asking. He right. wants to go trying to explain to him seasons and when it gets to be close to Thanksgiving, we can go after Halloween explaining those things to him. Well, now that it was fall, I mean, he was asking all the time, when are we going to go hunt? Have you practiced your bow? He Have you practiced? When are we going to go? And so to be honest, I don't really have a lot of places to go hunt. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't have good places. Yep. And so my parents have small acreage. They have three acres and it backs up to some public land. It's really steep and hard to hunt, but they've been seeing deer behind their house. So I paid $100 for a small pop-up tent hunting blind. I wanted a blind. He's five. He can make a little more noise, a little more movement. And that whole, take away the whole risk of climbing up and down out of a tree stand and having to go hang one. So we set this blind up, which was an awesome experience in itself. He loved the day that we just got to go set it up, which is about two weeks before we actually hunted it. Mm-hmm. So right before rifle season, he's asking, can we go? And I'm like, you know what? Yes, let's go. I have really no expectation except that I'm going to spend time with my son. So we go, we go sit in this blind for two and a half hours. We never see a deer. We hear people talking. We hear people blowing their leaf blowers kind of not the greatest experience in the whole world with like 30 minutes left he's like we're not going to see one are we dad i just want to shoot one i just want to shoot one. we're not going to see one are we and kind of working through like no sometimes when you hunt you don't he loves to fish so i said every time we fish do you always catch a big one well no no i don't kind of trying to work through those but that's disappointment that's yeah that is the lesson for most humans is people don't want to be disappointed mm-hmm. and so how do you how do you learn how to work through that? And that's what you're doing in that moment with him for sure. Right. Yeah. He, he it, thought he was going to go see a deer that day and he didn't. Correct. He thought we were going to go see one, shoot one just because we were going. Right. And this was this was a week, full week before rifle season. So I was explaining, hey, look, rifle season comes. It's easier to harvest. We can shoot, far, we can shoot further. Uh, maybe Uncle Ben has another spot for us we can go that has a little more deer. Trying to build up like it's going to be good. So he sits through. He makes it all the way through the two and a half hours. He still talks about having fun. We get home the next morning. Are we going to go hunting today? Can you pick me up early from school so we can go hunt today? (laughs) And I'm like, well, no, I can't just take you out of school every day so that we can go hunting. Next weekend is rifle season. We can go. Well, in between all that, you and I get one day during the week to go bow hunting. It's my favorite week to bow hunt of the year. The rut is in. It's right before rifle season, before people blow the woods out Mm -hmm. because so many people hunt. Yes. They you and I got hunt. to go. So many people rifle hunt. Rifle hunt, yes. right. Yes. And the deer are moving, the rut is on. It's a great time to bow hunt. You and I go, we have an, um, we set for eight hours all day long. We had yes, an amazing day. Yep. Deer here, deer there. You weren't feeling good. You the left. Weather. There was deer yep. sleeping under me when you got back to the stand. Yes. I tried sneaking up on them and that right. didn't work. Yeah, it was fun. Multiple but... bucks come through. A big buck come through, didn't get a shot. Mm-hmm. Kind of like just excited like, we were generally excited just yeah. that we got to, st- and then I got to harvest a nine pointer just a few minutes later. So yeah. we had an awesome time. I got to bring this nine point buck home, hang it up, let my boys see it. They were and that so excited for me. Would have been enough yeah. for your boys. Just that experience. Ben, they made up a song about right. it. Big buck deer, and they were singing the song over right. and over. They were so excited that I harvested one and brought it home. Yeah. Well, that's BBD again. Yeah. It? A big buck deer. Big buck deer. Yeah. Um, but that, that would have been enough for you and your kids 
if if God that that's all He gave you, yeah. But you still got to go. Yeah, we we got to go. A stand. Uh, you you talked about your stepdad. It's actually his stand, and because you guys were hunting this other property, it opened up the stand on some of your family's land. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest. It's an Ozark. It isn't the greatest spot in the world. Correct. It isn't the greatest, but it was an opportunity to go. We do know there's a few deer in the area. My son wanted to go so bad. Mm-hmm. Got him all set up. We couldn't go in the morning because my wife was working, so I was taking care of my kids. Then Bodie got one. Yes. And he was morning, like, yep. I mean, he couldn't even contain himself. <laughs> he didn't take a nap. He skipped nap time. Oh, man. He was just, he had to go hunting. Oh. So we got out there. It was, an, it was a warm day, and this time it was in a tree stand. And he is, was so excited to climb the ladder. Like, you talk about the little things in these experiences. He was so excited to climb up this ladder and get in the tree stand. Loved it. And then we're sitting up there, and an hour in, Dad, I'm bored. I'm bored. Yeah. Two hours in. Dad, I kind of want to go home. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm finding things. We're playing tic-tac-toe. Like yeah. we're doing all these little things. Are we going to see a deer, Dad? And in my mind, I'm thinking. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, well, we don't know. We don't know. We have to stay here again. He makes it three hours this time. We don't see a deer. We got to see a coyote, which was kind of exciting for him that he got to see something. Of course, I think I called you and you're like, what did you see? I said, 97 or was it 98 squirrel? Squirrels, They're just yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But here we are on this Ozark Mountain Ridge. Not a whole lot of hope. Didn't see anything except a coyote. Didn't have a shot at it to shoot it. Right. I'm thinking, all right, he's been twice now. We haven't even heard a deer. Like, he's going to be done. He's right, five. Right. Like, there's no way. The next morning's church, I'm signed up to teach at church, so I know we can't go the next morning. He's a little disappointed in that, but I promised him that after church, we could go. But I didn't think he was going to want to. The first thing he says when I wake him up in the morning to get ready for church, are we still going hunting today? <laughs> I'm like, okay, this kid is in. He's, like, yeah, he's, he's all in. up, yeah. So we go, we go to church. Well, after church, I told him he could skip his nap again. I mean, he's five. You tell a five-year-old they can skip their nap, like they're in. Well, no, Dad. Can I take like a can I take like a six or seven-minute one so that I'm ready and I have my energy? Well, he took like an hour and fifteen-minute <laughs> one, but he wanted to make sure that he was prepared and right. had his energy for this hunt. Right. I mean, he was committed doing he's, what he yeah. needed to do. Serious. So we go out there again. We get out there, and it is even quieter than the night before. I mean, there ain't no coyotes. There's like a quarter of the squirrels. There are no deer. And we make it in. I went a little later this time, so he didn't have to sit as long. Right. So we make it two hours in. There's 15 minutes left of the night. And he's playing Fruit Ninja on my phone because I'm just trying to get him to be quiet. I mean, he gets chatty towards the end because he's bored mm-hmm. and have to remind him, all right, that's a little too loud. He's playing Fruit Ninja. Mm-hmm. And I could swear I heard something off to my right. And then when I finally heard it, I was like, you just know. I was like, that's not a squirrel. Right. So I took my phone from him. I said, bud, there's going to be a deer coming from over here. Well, I had grunted, so I thought it was going to, I used my grunt call. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be a small buck. And here it comes out. And I can see it's like that smaller mid-sized body deer, bigger than a a fawn sized, but smaller than like a big buck. And as it comes out, I'm like, okay, it's a doe. And then I'm like, all right, it's the rut. There's got to be something behind her. 
She walks all the way out from the bushes to our right, stands right in front of us, never once looks back, just calm, feeding body language. And I'm like, okay, this deer is by itself. I had given him full, he can't shoot, which he was so disappointed. We literally cried and had to work through what a law is. I had to teach him what a law is Mm -hmm. to go hunting. So didn't think I was going to have to do that, but I did. We, We talked about laws and rules and that daddy has to shoot, but you can go. Gave him full decision-making power in what I would shoot. If it was a button buck and he told me to shoot it, I would have shot it. She comes out. I said, that's a doe. That's a mama deer. Yeah, dad. Dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, she stops at 15 yards Uh in front of us. He hasn't been around the high-power rifle going off. Excuse me. So I tell him, you're going to need to cover your ears. I said, but don't do it until daddy says. She's at 15 yards. And you know these these does, like they catch anything. Mm-hmm. Finally, her head passes behind a tree. And when it does, I said, hands to your ears. And he moves his hands up to his ears, gets his ears covered. Well, I have my gun up on the railing in front of me, mm-hmm. hands on it, but not on my shoulder. Because I was kind of, honestly, shooting a doe with a rifle, I was kind of hoping maybe he'd be like, oh, let's just watch it. Or maybe right. she'd be off in the brush and I couldn't right. get a shot. But for him, I was going to do it. She walks out 15 yards, completely wide open, broadside, and she stands and she turns her head and she looks right up at us <laughs> like, well, hey there, boys. Yeah, what hey are guys, you? What's up? And she's just staring. She's doing the head wave and the foot stomp and the something ain't right here. And I'm thinking, I can't even move to look at him. I'm doing the whole eye squint thing so she doesn't see the white of my eyes. I'm thinking there is no way this five-year-old is going to hold still enough with this doe at 15 yards. There's no way. This is over. This is done. Well, all of a sudden, she puts her head... After about two minutes of standing there staring at her, she puts her head down, and she kind of just starts to ease off, angled away from us a little bit, but she puts her head down, so I get my rifle up. He's smiling ear to ear. (laughs) I raise my rifle. I shoot her. She runs. I mean, I knew I hit her good. She runs off down the hill. He takes his hand off his ears and he's shaking his fist and he's going, yes, yes, dad, yes, dad. Yeah. And I said, no, listen, 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 listen. Because she ran off down to the bottom. I mean, it's steep. It is so steep. So steep. Down there, yep. And we heard her crash. Right. Done. Like they're running 100 miles an hour and all of a sudden nothing. And I was like, dude, she ran all the way to the bottom. He is just like, she stopped. She stopped. I heard her. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to wait. We need to wait. Then I'm thinking. He's five. Yep. He ain't helping me get this deer out of this. He ain't helping you do nothing. (laughs) He's helping me get this deer out of here. Yep, yep, yep. So I'm like, well, what's Ben doing? So I Uh call you up and I said, hey, buddy, I need your help. Yes, sir. And you answer the phone, hello, like you're dying. I'm like, are you in the hospital? You're sick as a dog. I've been fighting it for a while. Fighting it. So you show up to help us. By then, we had, I taught him to blood trail, which was really good blood trail. We followed it all the way down. Yep. His role, I gave him a role, which I think is important in all experiences you're doing with your family or friends or your protege, apprentice, whoever it is. Make sure they have a role and make sure they understand that it's an important role. They're going to be bought into what you're doing. Right. His role was he had to hold this flashlight so that I could get this deer field dressed. And in that field dressing, that whole same experience of teaching about the heart and the lungs and where the bullet entered and where it left and the blood and and I told him he didn't have to look, but he needed to hold a light. He said, "Oh no, Dad, I'm gonna look." Right. And yeah. and so he's learning all of that. And then 
watching the hard work of of me and you dragging this thing up the side of a mountain to get it to the truck. We got it, though. We got it. But he is still so excited. He's made up a new goal and and milestone in his mind, Mm. and that is, well, now he needs to be there when I shoot a buck. Oh, yep. And when he's six, which is next year, he now knows that that's legal. It is going to be really hard for me to keep him from shooting. Yep. And it seems so young for me. So we're going to practice and see how he does. That's kind of the stipulation I've put. Correct. Is yeah. You're going to shoot the rifle and see how you do. But he is like, well, next year, Dad, when I'm six, this is what I'm going to do. He's already talking about next year. He's mm-hmm. already talking about this weekend. Yep. He wakes up every day and asks when we're going again. We've right. already got two in the freezer. So I'm kind of right. like, I'm about done butchering deer for the year. <laughs> I know it, right? We <laughs> still have some more tags to fill for sure. So valuable. You could see from the smile on our faces in the picture on Facebook what it meant to me, what it meant right. to him. Yeah. And again, he learned so much and he will never forget it and neither will I. Exactly. You know, you know that he learned a lot. Sometimes they tell you what they learned. We don't always know what they learned. When we were inside the blind, I made for sure I took headphone not headphones. Um Yeah. Earmuffs to cover. Earmuffs yeah. is what they are. Yeah. They're the electronic earmuffs. Um, I didn't turn the electric part on. I just, I put them over Odie's, uh, I put them over Bodie's head and mine before he t- before that very first shot um, because we're in this tight space. It is loud. It is so blind. loud. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it's important to protect your, your kids' eyes and ears when you're out hunting. But after that, when we went out to go look for this deer at that 930 mark, I took the firearm with me because- who knows when that next year's going to come out, right? And I told him that. I was like, we need to take this with us because I'm still hunting. And we still need to be quiet. You know, he's out yelling. He's yeah. pumping. I'm like, cool. But I'm like, hey, we got to be quiet now. And so he said, well, what about your – and I didn't even realize it. But he's like, what about the, ear. the ears? What are, where's our ear stuff? And I said, well, bub, we're outside now. And so it might a little bit. You, you're going to hear it, but it isn't like – and he goes, oh, you don't have to wear those all the time. And I'm like – no, there's just there's appropriate times to wear them and times right. not to. And so you you don't know what they're I mean, he was paying attention to what we're putting on our ears while we're out looking for his deer. So there is so much that they take in, like you said earlier, and you don't know what that is. So get out there and give them those experiences. Help them to learn. You never you never know what they're gonna pick you up. You gotta on go learn. do it. You gotta I mean do the moral it. of the story is that you have to go do it. And I, I hope that listening to this podcast, that you are encouraged to find something to go do. Do something new or find something that you love and introduce somebody to it, whether you're a parent or whether you just need to go have some new experiences in your life. it will You will find joy in this gratification and, the, and this thought of, you know what? It doesn't really matter what people think of me. I am, I am worth something and I am... A capable and effective. It, it doesn't matter what everybody thinks. I can do. Yeah. I can do, to put it in simplest terms. I can do. You know, Ben, I want to end with my single best, and I can put it on a pedestal all by itself. Right. Nothing compares to, and I, and I think you'll probably agree, the single best first in my life, and nothing will ever compare to it, ever. And that is the day that I accepted the free gift of salvation from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you want to talk about a vivid memory. Yes. Uh, 2005, vivid memory. You know, I I tell it and share it to people that it's appropriate to tell it and share it to. But I remember that day. I remember being, 
I was alone. I felt alone. Mm-hmm. And I looked up and I was in church and I was weeping. I wasn't even paying attention. I was just weeping and weeping. And I knew what I had to do. I was at an awful, I had made some really, really poor decisions and mistakes. I mean, really, really poor. Mm-hmm. And I was in a place that I knew no matter what happened from those decisions, that whether he fixed it or whether I had to deal with the consequences, that I needed to give him my life. I was going to live the rest of my life for him. And I felt this overwhelming peace of like this, almost like he was there, like welcome home. Mm-hmm. And I knew in that moment that if I died in a car wreck going home, that everything that I had done that was awful, it, it didn't matter because he literally let people drive nails spikes through his hands and his feet and let him stab him in the side and let his blood drain out mm-hmm. after they put vinegar in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And then he came back to life. Like it, it, people say it's a fairy tale. It isn't a fairy tale. He literally walked on this earth, died and came back to life. Can you imagine if we saw some something like that happen? It happened. Right. And just accepting that, that he did it for you, is the most amazing gift, and and I want to share that nothing else we've talked about today or in any other episode matters if you don't get this right. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to share, like, thinking through all my firsts. You know, I've traveled. I've been to Cancun, Puerto Rico, and Poland, and, and that's just a broad range. I've been through a lot of the, the places in the United States. That's nothing. Those experiences are nothing compared to that, that salvation. I've. Do you remember your salvation moment? I do. You know, I had, when, when I was in fifth grade, um, I thought I had given my life to Christ. And what I mean by that is, is people were telling me, um, it was actually, it was, it was a, a group that came into town and they had asked to, for everybody to come down front. Well, I did. Well, when I got back to my seat, my grandma was like, you're saved. I was like, oh, cool. You know? Well, then when you go back to church, that's like, what's well, the second step of that? Well, it's baptism. And I went through that whole process. Yeah. You did the things, but you didn't I did have the, the things. heart. I didn't know what heart I changed. didn't yeah. even know what I was doing. And so then I kind of had this weight as I went on and, and went through, um, you know, my teen years, started making um, really dumb choices, you know, like a young buck does sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really making the bad choices. And it wasn't even the choices that I was making that were bothering me. It was whatever was nagging at me on the inside. It was like eating at me. Like that ain't like eating at me. You know, yeah. like if mama Conviction. wouldn't like this. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it would have been, it was November of 2005 for me that it's what they called rededicate your life. But it, it is when I went down front. And that moment when, when I was like truly saying, you know what, I'm, I'm surrendering, you know, I'm, I'm going to repent. I'm turning from, this way of my lifestyle, I'm done with it. And knowing that in that moment, God's going to, is taking this from me and that no matter what happens to me, mm-hmm. I'm going to heaven. Like that peace, you know, that, that peace that you have of knowing that it, death well, doesn't matter anymore. They call it, they use the term born again, but yeah. I like the word new. Like you feel you feel new. You 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 feel changed. It's, I mean, it's hard I, to put in words because yeah. you still look the same. Right. You still sound the same. Well, but that's what's cool is that when you talk to past friends, you know, sometimes even you might get in this moment of, well, what's different about mm-hmm. me? But what is cool is that when you talk to people of the past, 
and they they knew you then and they know you now, they're the ones that clearly make it known. Like, no, yeah. I mean, you're you're different, man. There's a there's a song out there now I like, it, and the line is in it is, well, if you miss the old me, well, that's Jesus's fault. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. take that up with him because yeah. he he changed me, and that really that really is a synopsis of of the power of that first moment of accepting Christ in your life. But you do have to accept a gift. Like if I have a present for you right now, like I can't, if you tie your hands behind your back, I can't make you take it. You have to accept it. It's a gift because... And that is the only thing that you have to do is accept the gift. You have to accept the gift. If you don't accept it, um, then it doesn't, it's not a gift. It's not yours. Yeah. And and the the power of the first in this, you know, first John chapter four, verse 19, one of the most repeated and well-known verse there are, but there is power in it, and it literally has the word first. We love because he first loved us. Without that incredible act of love, of not only creating us but dying on the cross, we wouldn't even be capable of love. But because we are created in his image and because he loved us first, we are capable of that. What's that crazy is the best is, first ever. Is that you're not going to, everyone's like, well, what does that even mean? Like, I don't feel it. Here's what I'm telling you. God's love is so strong and is happening so much that we feel it. You're not going to understand until it's gone. Yeah, you don't know what it's like to not have it. And that we have it constantly. Right. That it's it's just familiar to us. Right. And that's crazy. You know, like. Well, the, you have hell that is a complete absence of his love. Correct. You have earth, which is where we're all living which you have his love, but you also have evil present. You do. And then you have heaven, which is just his love. And so to, to, to be faced with that decision of either accepting that gift to live in a place that completely lacks the love or to live in a place that that's all there is, it's a pretty easy decision for me. Right. But we do, again, have to go back to that humbling ourselves, looking at giving up some, of th- some things in our life and maybe even people in our lives and accepting that this is a reality and that our beliefs don't change reality. Yeah. And I want to add it here because we do share Christ a lot in our podcast. I don't want any, anyone listening to even think a little bit that you accepting this gift is going to make your journey on this earth easier. No. You know, there are people that, that I think go into Jesus. When I do this, Jesus is going to, my life is going to be perfect. I will sell you and it's kind of a, a weird way to even think or say, I think it makes life on earth, on earth, yes, harder, yes, but better. Correct. Yeah, I mean, when you do things the way they're intended to do, it is better. Mm-hmm. But there's hard work that goes into that. Correct. I mean, you think about all an iPhone in order to make an iPhone, there's hard work to put in that. But when they do it right and it works, it's awesome for yeah. everyone. That's what I mean. Is that it? It it does take work because whew, it would be very easy at times to give in to what this secular world yeah. is it, pushing. And what you want. And, and sometimes you have to give up to what yes, you want. exactly. Well, I hope that uh, our experiences and our stories of our lives, that's really all we know to share is is what we've been blessed to experience. Yeah, and We hope that that has spoken to you today. Yeah, and I hope that, that with what we've shared, you may not want to go hunting or feel comfortable hunting, there are all sorts of things you and your family can go do from handball to disc golf to elk hunting, turkey hunting, dove, right. whitetail. There are so many things. If you're looking for things to do out there that you can do with your family, 
please reach out. Yeah, re- reach out to us. Maybe we can guide you in the right direction. You've listened to this and you're just like, I need some new experiences. I need to take my family on to new experiences. Reach out to us, m2boutdoors at gmail.com is a great way. You can direct message us on Facebook or Instagram. It's m to be meant to be outdoors on both of those. Whatever platform you listen on, guys, it, it isn't unknown. Reviews, the five-star ratings, and the reviews help a lot for podcasts. So if you could please leave us those after you listen, we would greatly appreciate it. Everybody this week, tell a friend or a family member about our podcast so that more ears are getting to hear what God has to say through us. That is it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We'll be back next week with our Thanksgiving episode. We hope that between now and that time, you remember you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.